Chapter Fourteen, Part One of A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life by William Law. Chapter Fourteen, Part One concerning that part of devotion which relates to times and hours of prayer of daily early prayer in the morning how we are to improve our forms of prayer and how to increase the spirit of devotion having in the foregoing chapters shown the necessity of a devout spirit or habit of mind in every part of our common life in the discharge of all our business in the use of all the gifts of god i come now to consider that part of devotion which relates to times and hours of prayer i take it for granted that every christian that is in health is up early in the morning for it is much more reasonable to suppose a person up early because he is a christian than because he is a laborer or a tradesman or a servant or has business that wants him we naturally conceive some abhorrence of a man that is in bed when he should be at his labor or in his shop we cannot tell how to think anything good of him who is such a slave to drowsiness as to neglect his business for it let this therefore teach us to conceive how odious we must appear in the sight of heaven if we are in bed shut up in sleep and darkness when we should be praising god and are such slaves to drowsiness as to neglect our devotions for it for if he is to be blamed as a slothful drone that rather chooses the lazy indulgence of sleep than to perform his proper share of worldly business how much more is he to be reproached that would rather lie folded up in a bed than be raising up his heart to god in acts of praise and adoration prayer is the nearest approach to god and the highest enjoyment of him that we are capable of in this life it is the noblest exercise of the soul the most exalted use of our best faculties and the highest imitation of the blessed inhabitants of heaven when our hearts are full of god sending up holy desires to the throne of grace we are then in our highest state we are upon the utmost heights of human greatness we are not before kings and princes but in the presence and audience of the lord of all the world and can be no higher till death is swallowed up in glory on the other hand sleep is the poorest dullest refreshment of the body that is so far from being intended as an enjoyment that we are forced to receive it either in a state of insensibility or in the folly of dreams sleep is such a dull stupid state of existence that even amongst mere animals we despise them most which are most drowsy he therefore that chooses to enlarge the slothful indulgence of sleep rather than be early at his devotions to god chooses the dullest refreshment of the body 
before the highest noblest employment of the soul he chooses that state which is a reproach to mere animals rather than that exercise which is the glory of angels you will perhaps say though you rise late yet you are always careful of your devotions when you are up it may be so but what then is it well done of you to rise late because you pray when you are up is it pardonable to waste great part of the day in bed because some time after you say your prayers it is as much your duty to rise to pray as to pray when you are risen and if you are late at your prayers you offer to god the prayers of an idle slothful worshipper that rises to prayers as idle servants rise to their labor farther if you fancy that you are careful of your devotions when you are up though it be your custom to rise late you deceive yourself for you cannot perform your devotions as you ought for he that cannot deny himself this drowsy indulgence but must pass away good part of the morning in it is no more prepared for prayers when he is up than he is prepared for fasting abstinence or any other self-denial he may indeed more easily read over a form of prayer than he can perform these duties but he is no more disposed to enter into the true spirit of prayer than he is disposed to fasting for sleep thus indulged gives a softness and idleness to all our tempers and makes us unable to relish anything but what suits with an idle state of mind and gratifies our natural tempers as sleep does so that a person who is a slave to this idleness is in the same temper when he is up and though he is not asleep yet he is under the effects of it and everything that is idle indulgent or sensual pleases him for the same reason that sleep pleases him and on the other hand everything that requires care or trouble or self-denial is hateful to him for the same reason that he hates to rise he that places any happiness in this morning indulgence would be glad to have all the day made happy in the same manner though not with sleep yet with such enjoyments as gratify and indulge the body in the same manner as sleep does or at least with such as come as near to it as they can the remembrance of a warm bed is in his mind all the day and he is glad when he is not one of those that sit starving in a church now you do not imagine that such a one can truly mortify that body which he thus indulges yet you might as well think this as that he can truly perform his devotions or live in such a drowsy state of indulgence and yet relish the joys of a spiritual life for surely no one will pretend to say that he knows and feels the true happiness of prayer who does not think it worth his while to be early at it it is not possible in nature for an epicure to be truly devout he must renounce this habit of sensuality before he can relish the happiness of devotion now he that turns sleep into an idle indulgence does as much to corrupt and disorder his soul 
to make it a slave to bodily appetites and keep it incapable of all devout and heavenly tempers as he that turns the necessities of eating into a course of indulgence a person that eats and drinks too much does not feel such effects from it as those do who live in notorious instances of gluttony and intemperance but yet his course of indulgence though it be not scandalous in the eyes of the world nor such as torments his own conscience is a great and constant hindrance to his improvement in virtue it gives him eyes that see not and ears that hear not it creates a sensuality in the soul increases the power of bodily passions and makes him incapable of entering into the true spirit of religion now this is the case of those who waste their time in sleep it does not disorder their lives or wound their consciences as notorious acts of intemperance do but like any other more moderate course of indulgence it silently and by smaller degrees wears away the spirit of religion and sinks the soul into a state of dullness and sensuality if you consider devotion only as a time of so much prayer you may perhaps perform it though you live in this daily indulgence but if you consider it as a state of the heart as a lively fervor of the soul that is deeply affected with a sense of its own misery and infirmities and desires the spirit of god more than all things in the world you will find that the spirit of indulgence and the spirit of prayer cannot subsist together mortification of all kinds is the very life and soul of piety but he that has not so small a degree of it as to be able to be early at his prayers can have no reason to think that he has taken up his cross and is following christ what conquest has he got over himself what right hand has he cut off what trials is he prepared for what sacrifice is he ready to offer unto god who cannot be so cruel to himself as to rise to prayer at such time as the drudging part of the world are content to rise to their labor some people will not scruple to tell you that they indulge themselves in sleep because they have nothing to do and that if they had either business or pleasure to rise to they would not lose so much of their time in sleep but such people must be told that they mistake the matter that they have a great deal of business to do they have a hardened heart to change they have the whole spirit of religion to get for surely he that thinks devotion to be of less moment than business or pleasure or that he has nothing to do because nothing but his prayers want him may be justly said to have the whole spirit of religion to seek you must not therefore consider how small a crime it is to rise late but you must consider how great a misery it is to want the spirit of religion to have a heart not rightly affected with prayer and to live in such softness and idleness as makes you incapable of the most fundamental duties of a truly christian and spiritual life this 
is a right way of judging of the crime of wasting great part of your time in bed you must not consider the thing barely in itself but what it proceeds from what virtues it shows to be wanting what vices it naturally strengthens for every habit of this kind discovers the state of the soul and plainly shows the whole turn of your mind if our blessed lord used to pray early before day if he spent whole nights in prayer if the devout anna was day and night in the temple luke chapter two verses thirty six and thirty seven if st paul and silas at midnight sang praises unto god acts chapter sixteen verse thirty five if the primitive christians for several hundred years besides their hours of prayers in the daytime met publicly in the churches at midnight to join in psalms and prayers is it not certain that these practices showed the state of their heart are they not so many plain proofs of the whole turn of their minds and if you live in a contrary state wasting great part of every day in sleep thinking any time soon enough to be at your prayers is it not equally certain that this practice as much shows the state of your heart and the whole turn of your mind so that if this indulgence is your way of life you have as much reason to believe yourself destitute of the true spirit of devotion as you have to believe the apostles and saints of the primitive church were truly devout for as their way of life was a demonstration of their devotion so a contrary way of life is as strong a proof of a want of devotion when you read the scriptures you see a religion that is all life and spirit and joy in god that supposes our souls risen from earthly desires and bodily indulgences to prepare for another body another world and other enjoyments you see christians represented as temples of the holy ghost as children of the day as candidates for an eternal crown as watchful virgins that have their lamps always burning in expectation of the bridegroom but can he be thought to have this joy in god this care of eternity this watchful spirit who has not zeal enough to rise to his prayers when you look into the writings and lives of the first christians you see the same spirit that you see in the scriptures all is reality life and action watching and prayers self-denial and mortification was the common business of their lives from that time to this there has been no person like them eminent for piety who has not like them been eminent for self-denial and mortification this is the only royal way that leads to a kingdom but how far are you from this way of life or rather how contrary to it if instead of imitating their austerity and mortification you cannot so much as renounce so poor an indulgence as to be able to rise to your prayers if self-denials and bodily sufferings if watchings and fastings 
will be the marks of glory at the day of judgment where must we hide our heads that have slumbered away our time in sloth and softness you perhaps now find some pretenses to excuse yourselves from that severity of fasting and self-denial which the first christians practised you fancy that human nature is grown weaker and that the differences of climates may make it not possible for you to observe their methods of self-denial and austerity in these colder countries but all this is but pretense for the change is not in the outward state of things but in the inward state of our minds when there is the same spirit in us that there was in the apostles and primitive christians when we feel the weight of religion as they did when we have their faith and hope we shall take up our cross and deny ourselves and live in such methods of mortification as they did had st paul lived in a cold country had he had a constitution made weak with a sickly stomach and often infirmities he would have done as he advised timothy he would have mixed a little wine with his water but still he would have lived in a state of self-denial and mortification he would have given this same account of himself i therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight i not as one that beateth the air but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway first corinthians chapter nine verses twenty six and twenty seven after all let it now be supposed that you imagine there is no necessity for you to be so sober and vigilant so fearful of yourself so watchful over your passions so apprehensive of danger so careful of your salvation as the apostles were let it be supposed that you imagine that you want less self-denial and mortification to subdue your bodies and purify your souls than they wanted that you need not have your loins girt and your lamps burning as they had will you therefore live in a quite contrary state will you make your life as constant a course of softness and indulgence as theirs was of strictness and self-denial if therefore you should think that you have time sufficient both for prayer and other duties though you rise late yet let me persuade you to rise early as an instance of self-denial it is so small a one that if you cannot comply with it you have no reason to think yourself capable of any other if i were to desire you not to study the gratifications of your palate in the niceties of meats and drinks i would not insist much upon the crime of wasting your money in such a way though it be a great one but i would desire you to renounce such a way of life because it supports you in such a state of sensuality and indulgence as renders you incapable of relishing the most essential doctrines of religion for the same reason i do not insist much on the crime of wasting so much of your time in sleep though it be a great one 
but i desire you to renounce this indulgence because it gives a softness and idleness to your soul and is so contrary to that lively zealous watchful self-denying spirit which was not only the spirit of christ and his apostles the spirit of all the saints and martyrs which have ever been amongst men but must be the spirit of all those who would not sink in the common corruption of the world here therefore we must fix our charge against this practice we must blame it not as having this or that particular evil but as a general habit that extends itself through our whole spirit and supports a state of mind that is wholly wrong it is contrary to piety not as accidental slips and mistakes in life are contrary to it but in such a manner as an ill habit of body is contrary to health on the other hand if you were to rise early every morning as an instance of self-denial as a method of renouncing indulgence as a means of redeeming your time and fitting your spirit for prayer you would find mighty advantages from it this method though it seems such a small circumstance of life would in all probability be a means of great piety it would keep it constantly in your head that softness and idleness were to be avoided that self-denial was a part of christianity it would teach you to exercise power over yourself and make you able by degrees to renounce other pleasures and tempers that war against the soul this one rule would teach you to think of others it would dispose your mind to exactness and would be very likely to bring the remaining part of the day under the rules of prudence and devotion but above all one certain benefit from this method you will be sure of having it will best fit and prepare you for the reception of the holy spirit when you thus begin the day in the spirit of religion renouncing sleep because you are to renounce softness and redeem your time this disposition as it puts your heart into a good state so it will procure the assistance of the holy spirit what is so planted and watered will certainly have an increase from god you will then speak from your heart your soul will be awake your prayers will refresh you like meat and drink you will feel what you say and begin to know what saints and holy men have meant by fervors of devotion he that is thus prepared for prayer who rises with these dispositions is in a very different state from him who has no rules of this kind who rises by chance as he happens to be weary of his bed or is able to sleep no longer if such a one prays only with his mouth if his heart feels nothing of that which he says if his prayers are only things of course if they are a lifeless form of words which he only repeats because they are soon said there is nothing to be wondered at all in this for such dispositions are the natural effect of such a state of life hoping therefore that you are now enough convinced of the necessity of rising early to your prayers i shall proceed to lay before you a method of daily prayer 
i do not take upon me to prescribe to you the use of any particular forms of prayer but only to show you the necessity of praying at such times and in such a manner you will here find some helps how to furnish yourself with such forms of prayer as shall be useful to you and if you are such a proficient in the spirit of devotion that your heart is always ready to pray in its own language in this case i press no necessity of borrowed forms for though i think a form of prayer very necessary and expedient for public worship yet if any one can find a better way of raising his heart unto god in private than by prepared forms of prayer i have nothing to object against it my design being only to assist and direct such as stand in need of assistance thus much i believe is certain that the generality of christians ought to use forms of prayer at all the regular times of prayer it seems right for every one to begin with a form of prayer and if in the midst of his devotions he finds his heart ready to break forth into new and higher strains of devotion he should leave his form for a while and follow those fervors of his heart till it again wants the assistance of his usual petitions this seems to be the true liberty of private devotion it should be under the direction of some form but not so tied down to it but that it may be free to take such new expressions as its present fervors happen to furnish it with which sometimes are more affecting and carry the soul more powerfully to god than any expressions that were ever used before all people that have ever made any reflections upon what passes in their own hearts must know that they are mighty changeable in regard to devotion sometimes our hearts are so awakened have such strong apprehensions of the divine presence are so full of deep compunction for our sins that we cannot confess them in any language but that of tears sometimes the light of god's countenance shines so bright upon us we see so far into the invisible world we are so affected with the wonders of the love and goodness of god that our hearts worship and adore in a language higher than that of words and we feel transports of devotion which only can be felt on the other hand sometimes we are so sunk into our bodies so dull and unaffected with that which concerns our souls that our hearts are as much too low for our prayers we cannot keep pace with our forms of confession or feel half of that in our hearts which we have in our mouths we thank and praise god with forms of words but our hearts have little or no share in them it is therefore highly necessary to provide against this inconstancy of our hearts by having at hand such forms of prayer as may best suit us when our hearts are in their best state and also be most likely to raise and stir them up when they are sunk into dullness for as words have a power of affecting our hearts on all occasions as the same thing differently expressed has different effects upon our minds 
so it is reasonable that we should make this advantage of language and provide ourselves with such forms of expression as are most likely to move and enliven our souls and fill them with sentiments suitable to them the first thing that you are to do when you are upon your knees is to shut your eyes and with a short silence let your soul place itself in the presence of god that is you are to use this or some other better method to separate yourself from all common thoughts and make your heart as sensible as you can of the divine presence now if this recollection of spirit is necessary as who can say it is not then how poorly must they perform their devotions who are always in a hurry who begin them in haste and hardly allow themselves time to repeat their very form with any gravity or attention theirs is properly saying prayers instead of praying end of chapter fourteen part one recording by lucretia b